Uh, I actually watched a bunch of um, anti-drinking ads this week, not just that one. Uh, and some of them are pretty funny, like that one. I guess it is kind of also pretty hectic, depending on how you took that. But um, some of them are actually really full on, like seriously full on. I saw this one, it was another New Zealand one, where this guy got drunk and he, he's at a party, and he's got like a little kid, like kind of the age of my little boy Luca, and he's like going, wee, doing like airplanes with this kid, and then he like smashes the kid into a wall, and the kid crumples to the ground, and everyone's like, get out! And he goes outside and starts weeping in an alley, and he's like, oh, well, that, was, that got real. There's another one, like these are serious ads, there's another one where a guy is like dancing at a party, having a good time, and he's drunk, and he bumps into a pregnant lady, and she bumps into a table, and then it cuts scene, and they're at the doctor, and they lose the baby, and that's the end of the ad. And you're just like, oh my goodness. Like these ads are, are hectic, right? And so <laughs> anti-drinking ads, some of them are like pretty hard hitting. And they almost make you think, man, if you have like a sip of alcohol, it's going to ruin everything. You're going to vomit on your girlfriend and kill someone, and everyone's going to hate you, and it's going to be hardcore, right? That's what these ads kind of tell us. Now, the question is, is drinking really that bad? Will it really ruin your life like that, getting drunk? Well... For some people it does. For a few people it actually does. I work, before I worked here at church, I worked at a youth refuge in Weil. And so I worked with lots of people who had hard stuff going on. And I met a bunch of people who, for whom like, alcohol had kind of messed up their life pretty bad. So either because of their addiction to it or because of their parents' addiction to it, it really had, had a big impact on their life. But it does seem like for the most part, most people kind of get away with it, don't they? I remember my friends at school who drunk too much um, at school. It didn't really ruin their lives. There was one guy who um, peed on the, got drunk at school, peed on the school canteen, and he got expelled, and that kind of messed his life up a bit. But, um, but for most people, it doesn't kind of just ruin everything. Most people seem to get away with it. And so what actually is the deal with alcohol? Does God think that alcohol is as evil as some anti-drinking ads do? Where does the real problem actually lie when it comes to alcohol? That's what I want us to think about tonight. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to look at a bunch of places in the Bible that deal with this question. So let's pray. Father God, I pray that tonight you'd give us, as Mike has already prayed, soft hearts to hear what your word has to say. I pray you'd also give us understanding, both of your word and of ourselves. I pray that tonight we'd have clarity about where we stand with you and where the real issue with with drinking and alcohol is. Amen. All right, now, before we dive into what the Bible says about alcohol and drinking and so on, um, it is worth explaining why this talk is even relevant to you guys at all, isn't it? Like, it's probably worthwhile asking, how does this even matter? Because, except for a few exceptions, and I was going to look this up and I forgot, so maybe you guys can tell me later, um, it's not actually legal for people to drink until they're 18, and the majority of you aren't 18, right? And, and the Bible says very clearly that we're to obey the laws of the country that we live in. It says that in Romans chapter 13, verse 2, he who rebels against the authority, that's the government of Australia, in our case, is rebelling against what God has instituted, right? So to disobey the law is actually to disobey God. So if you're a Christian, well, God, because of the law in Australia, that means we shouldn't drink when you're under 18 in Australia. Um, and so we actually really do need to take that seriously, just before we even think about this. If it's illegal for you to drink, just like it's illegal to speed or, or steal or whatever, we need to obey the authorities that God's put in place. So why do this talk? Well, for a few reasons. Let, let me think about this. For, some of you are already 18. Some of you are already 18. And some of you, even though you're not, are choosing to break the law by drinking anyway. And so we need to think about that 
with you. You're already drinking. We need to think about it. Secondly, all of you are going to be 18 soon. It'll come sooner than you realise. And so whether you're 18 or not, pretty soon you're going to have to work this out. And so I want tonight to equip all of us here to, to be good at being 18. I want us to, to work out how, you know, what are you going to do with this stuff when you are 18 anyway. And then finally, as we look at alcohol tonight, what we're actually going to see is something much bigger than alcohol. That's really a bit of a side issue. What we're actually going to be doing is we're going to see ourselves clearly and we're going to be forced to think about where we really stand with Jesus. So that's what we're going to do as we dig into this passage tonight, or a bunch of passages. Now here's the first thing I want us to see as we look at the Bible together, and it's this. Alcohol is a good gift from God. I don't know if you came to church expecting to hear that tonight, but that's what the Bible says. It's a good gift from God. Psalm 104, the writer's praising God for all the good things that he gives. And in in verse 14, up on the screen, it says that God makes grass grow for the cattle, plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth, wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, and bread that sustains their hearts. So right alongside like grass for your cows and plants and bread for eating, God gives us humans wine to gladden the heart. And that's a good thing, right? It's a good gift from God. Not only that, can anyone remember what the first miraculous sign that Jesus performs in John is, in John's Gospel? In chapter 2, does anyone know? What is it? He turns water into wine. He turns up to a wedding party and he turns six huge jugs of water into wine, which is like 600 litres of wine. Jesus is the guy who rocked up with 600 litres of wine to a... Well, he didn't. He didn't bring it. He made it when he got there. Alcohol is a good gift from God, right? So get rid of that idea that God exists just to be some kind of a cosmic party pooper whose job it is to ban all the good stuff in life. It's not true. God actually invented the fun stuff in, in, in life. He invented alcohol. He invented sex. He made friendships. He made sport. He made whatever it is you, you dig. He made the good things in this world, right? And he gave them to us freely as good gifts. And alcohol is one of those. So God's not against good stuff. He's not against alcohol. He's against us misusing it. And we'll think about that in a bit. But secondly, before we do, I want to say as well, guys, don't be legalists. Okay? Don't make up rules that aren't in the Bible and expect everyone else around you to obey them. You meet a lot of Christians, you will, who will tell you that God is just against alcohol, like it's poison or something like that, and you should just never drink it. You'll hear that from people. That's just not what the Bible says. So don't go making up rules that aren't in the Bible. Alcohol's not a sin. Okay? Get clear on that. But here's the second thing I want us to see tonight. Drinking alcohol's not a sin... But drunkenness is a sinful misuse of God's good gift. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine. And you'll be like, okay, not wine, but I can get drunk on beer and vodka. That's fine. No, no, no. It is actually a command. Just don't get drunk is is what Paul's commanding there. And he's talking about wine specifically. But here's a clear command, and the Bible's full of it again and again. Do not get drunk. So there's the main reason not to get drunk, because it pleases God not to. But... Here's the good thing, right? God isn't just some kind of a cosmic party pooper or a cosmic, you know, kind of arbitrary rule maker, right? He actually has good reasons for giving us instructions like this in the Bible. And the beautiful thing about the Bible is it doesn't just say, don't do stuff. 
It actually gives us some really good reasons as to why we shouldn't. See, so check out this passage from Proverbs up on the screen. I hope you can read it. Proverbs 23, it's like an old school anti-drinking ad. It's, it's pretty good. Check it out. It says this. He says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who's got complaints? Who has needless bruises? Who has bloodshot eyes? It's the drunks, those who linger over wine, who go to sample mixed bowls of wine. I don't know why that's so bad, but it's a thing, right? Do not gaze at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. Don't be obsessed with wine. Because in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Your eyes will see strange sights, your mind imagine confusing things. You'll be like one sleeping on the high seas, lying on the top of the rigging. Imagine being on the top of a ship and you're like, woo, and you're sleeping up there. It's crazy. Who hit me, you'll say. Oh, but I'm not hurt. They beat me, but I don't feel it. And when will I wake up so I can find another drink? It's a pretty interesting passage. Getting drunk just messes you up, is the point. Verse 29, you get a hangover, you wake up with bruises, you don't even know where they came from. Verse 33, you'll be an idiot seeing things that aren't even there. Verse 35, you'll find yourself getting in fights or picking fights that you shouldn't pick because you're going to get owned. Um, And verse 35, the end of it's the most scary bit. After all this trouble that alcohol causes you, you'll find yourself waking up going, I wonder when I can get my next drink. And all said and done, when you've been beaten and bashed up and everything sucks, you wake up going, where do I find another drink? One of the problems with alcohol is it's addictive, genuinely addictive. It ruins people's lives. And see, if, if getting drunk really is as nasty as this passage says, why do people keep on doing it weekend after weekend? Because it actually is addictive. Um, you know, you go to theme parks, right, and rides are supposed to be heaps fun. Let me pitch an idea for a roller coaster ride at you, right? Imagine a ride where you get to the theme park and it costs a lot. You give them like $50, $60. It's pretty expensive, right? And you have to get a fake ID to go on the ride. And then you hand them your money and you sit down in a seat and you blank out. And then 18 hours later, you kind of wake up and your head's sore and your mouth tastes like vomit and it hurts to kind of walk around and just live your life. Saturday's over and you're like, that's good. I want to go on that ride again. That was a good roller coaster. Let's, here's another $50. I'll go again next weekend. It's craziness. It's a terrible ride. That's the roller coaster that people are trying to ride every single weekend. It's a bad ride. It's not satisfying. It's not fun. Getting drunk really is that stupid, and the Bible calls it like it is. But people keep going back to it because they become dependent on it. It's hard to have fun without it after that. And so they just keep on going. And so, guys, what do we do with this? Well, I want to say this. Don't don't get drunk. Don't drink at all until it's legal for you to do so. But don't ever get drunk. And when you are old enough to drink, be clear on how much is too much. I reckon Christians get in trouble a fair bit with this because they think... I'm just going to have a little bit. I'll go to the party, I'll have one or whatever. But we just, there's got bad self-control. And so they have one and then they have more and they have more and they, can't, and they can't handle anywhere near as much as they think they can. And so even though they didn't intend to, they end up getting drunk, even though they didn't mean it. So guys, just be clear about what you can and can't handle. What's a sensible amount to drink when it's right for you to do so? A good idea is just to follow like the driving laws. Have one standard drink an hour. You can drive after that, so why not do something like that? And guys, I want to say, for so many of you guys, I know you are going really well with this kind of stuff. You're sensible, you're in control. Some of you haven't even touched it at all because you're not adding or what. That's great. Praise God if that's where you're at. That's really good. 
But I want, to, I want to warn you, don't buy the lies that you'll see in movies and TVs and, and stuff like that. As if getting drunk at least once or twice or maybe ten times or every weekend is, is some sort of a teenage rite of passage. You've got to do it at least once. You know, teenagers are meant to make mistakes, right? So you've got to do it at least once. Especially you've done the HSC, you've got to blow off some steam, you deserve it, why not? Don't buy the lie. Don't compromise even a little bit. Be the person who gets through life without ever making those mistakes. Chucking up in a gutter at some party isn't a rite of passage. It's a sad symptom of a terrible problem that Australia has. Australia's got a real problem with this. We think it's normal. It's not. So you don't need to experience this stuff. Don't buy the lie. Now, guys, there's lots of reasons that people get drunk, heaps of reasons. To feel good, to escape feeling bad, to fit in, to rebel because you're bored, because it just seems the, the normal thing to do. Guys, if you're looking for alcohol to solve all those problems or give you all those things, you're going to be disappointed. It's going to let you down. You won't feel better. Your problems will still be there when you sober up. Those friendships that you so desperately want to fit in with and be a part of, they're they're built on a lie. They're empty. It's not going to help. And so run the opposite way from drunkenness. Now... What do you do if you're someone who's already kind of blown it quite a lot in this area? What if you've got, you're getting drunk all the time, maybe you feel like you've already blown it, you've made heaps of mistakes, you feel like you've already messed up, what do you do? You guys, come to Jesus for forgiveness. It's always the same answer. I hope you're not surprised by that answer. Check out this verse up on the screen. God made him, that's Jesus, who had no sin, was perfect, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is good news. It's the news that Jesus takes on our record of sin on himself and he pays for it at the cross. He faced God's anger at our sins so that we don't have to and he holds out forgiveness for free. He gives it to us. And not only do we get forgiven, but we actually get given Jesus' perfect record. We're handed his righteousness, his goodness. So guys, come to Jesus for forgiveness. That's the first and most crucial step. But here's the second thing, and this is critical, and I need us to catch this tonight. Yes, being a Christian means having Jesus save you, but being a Christian also means having Jesus rule your life. That's what a Christian is. See, maybe you call yourself a Christian, but does your claim... Is it matched by your life? Does your life match that claim? Jesus says that when you're saved by him, you will see the fruit of it in your life. It'll show up in the way you live. Check out the verse that was read for us earlier in the Bible reading. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick Figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. It's pretty simple. How do you tell what kind of a tree it is growing in your backyard? Well, if it's got oranges on it, it's probably an orange tree. If it's full of thorns, it's probably a thorn bush. That's how you work out what it is. What kind of fruit does a Christian grow? Obedience to Jesus. So if you claim to know Jesus, but your life doesn't show it, then you need to seriously consider where do you stand with Jesus? 
Here's where this lands with drinking. Christians love to talk about wrestling with sin, struggling with sin. Maybe you've heard someone say that in a GT, man, I'm really struggling with lust at the moment. I'm really struggling with wrestling with drunkenness or something like that. Now, sometimes those words might be helpful to maybe describe what's going on in a Christian's life, but you know, maybe someone says, I'm struggling with lust. And you're like, well, what's going on for you? And, and they hate their sin. They want to run for it, but in a moment of temptation, they fall, right? And so they grieve over their sin. They hate it. They repent. They take steps to change, and they keep following Jesus. Sure, you could say, I'm struggling with, with sin, right? But I think sometimes we say, I'm wrestling with drinking. I'm struggling with drinking. But what we really should be saying is, I'm living a double life. I'm pretending to follow Jesus, but intentionally living in rebellion to him. Every weekend, I make plans to go and get drunk, do whatever I've got to do to get a hold of the alcohol to do that, go to a party, and I do it. I turn up to youth on a Friday night, I talk the talk, and then knowing full well that Saturday night or maybe after youth, I'm going to go and get loose somewhere and get drunk. Or maybe at best, maybe at best, you, you think to yourself, no, no, this time I won't get drunk. And so you you, you trick yourself into thinking you won't, but your track record shows that when you go to those parties which you know you're going to, you are going to get drunk again. Guys, that's not struggling with sin, that's living in sin. Just the public nature of being willing to go and get drunk in front of the whole world as if it isn't a problem is kind of communicating to the world where you stand with Jesus. And so if you're a Christian here tonight, and this is where you're at, and I want you to hear this, stop living the double life. You've got to give it up. Repent. Submit your life to Jesus. Now, are you going to be perfect from now on? No, you will make mistakes. You'll still be a sinner, right? That's why we need rescuing. That's why we can't just earn our salvation. But you're going to start making intentional decisions that will lead you away from sin and into what God wants you to do. It's actually a choice to live fighting sin, struggling with sin, not living in it. So do you see the difference? Do you get the difference between living in sin and fighting sin? I hope you can see it. Hey guys, I really care about you guys. I love you guys here at EV Youth, I really do. But I'm, I'm worried for, a, for our culture here as a whole and I'm worried for a bunch of you guys. Um, I... I don't know for sure, actually, but I get the impression that lots of us might be living this kind of double life, kind of Friday night, youth group, Saturday night, let's go get drunk. And guys, I've, I've seen this hundreds of times. This isn't news to me. This isn't a new thing. But Friday night, youth group, pretending to be a Christian, Saturday night, just really doing whatever you want, very quickly just turns into Friday night doing whatever you want, Saturday night doing whatever you want, and really, who cares about Jesus in the end? And I've seen hundreds of Christians your age walk away from Jesus because of this exact thing. I don't know what it is. It just happens, right? And, and not only that, guys, you guys are the leadership here at EV Youth. The younger crew look up to you. And if this double life thing just becomes normal culture for us, man, we're in big trouble because that's what all those guys at Juniors are going to do too as well. I've got a mate, Toby. He's now a pastor in Sydney. Right? So he's, he's a Christian. He's gone strong for Jesus. But for him, becoming a Christian actually meant realising that he'd been living a double life for ages. Um, he'd come to church and Bible study. He was in uni. And he'd kind of talked the talk. He looked legit. But, and Christians even looked up to him, right? But he was hopelessly addicted to partying and getting drunk. And it was his little secret with his non-Christian mates. 
Uh, one night he got drunk before Bible study and he managed to sit through an entire Bible study and never let show that he was wasted the whole time. And as he, as he kind of stumbled home from that, kind of like pretty proud of himself that he managed to pull it off, it occurred to him that he tricked everyone in the room, like 10 people, but he hadn't tricked God. God saw right through it. He, he's, not, he's not like he's dumb. He's like, yeah, I know what's going on. He saw his life for what it is and he, and he knew that he had to change. Uh, and so he stopped pretending to be a Christian and became one, I think. Can you guys see what's at stake tonight? Now, if you're someone who's been living a double life, well, what do you do? What do you do if this is you, if this is where you're at? I've got four quick things. Here it is. Trust in Jesus for your forgiveness, number one. Jesus' death really does cover your sin. So you might be weighed down with all sorts of guilt. I've got to really fix myself off. I really can't call myself a Christian until I've made myself better. No, no, no. The starting point is Jesus offers forgiveness. And it's not like you only get that if you can be good from now on for a certain amount of time or what. No, no. The offer is free forgiveness now in Jesus. It's yours. So make a decision to repent tonight and that forgiveness is yours in Jesus. But here's the second thing, you actually do need to repent. You've got to make a concrete decision that you're done living the double life and you've got to be committed to following Jesus no matter what it costs you. See, true repentance is a concrete decision to change, to head the direction that Jesus wants you to and to live in obedience to him. Not perfectly as if you're going to somehow earn it, but you need to repent. And come to Jesus for forgiveness. Guys, Jesus says that living as a Christian is hard. So I hope you're not like kind of been here for ages and you, you know, you're like, man, this is actually really hard. I don't like being a Christian anymore. That shouldn't be a surprise. Jesus says it's like carrying a cross. It involves real costly suffering. Jesus says, whoever wants to, to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? Right. The point is it costs you everything, but it's worth it. It's, it's hard, but it's worth it. No amount of partying or fun or acceptance or whatever it is you're chasing is worth your soul. It's not worth your relationship with Jesus. So seriously consider whether tonight you'll leave behind the double life. Thirdly, guys, talk to a leader about this tonight. If you're serious about changing, you know you've got a problem and you know you've got, you've got to change, own it. Don't just keep it to yourself. Own it with a close friend or a leader that you trust and say, hey man, I'm way off track. Here's what's really been going on in my life and I actually do want to repent and I want to change and I want to keep following Jesus. Do that tonight if you know you need to. And guys, fourthly, <clears throat> make hard decisions that will help you to change. Jesus also says, right, he's talking about um, lust. He says that if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, for it's better that one part of you be destroyed than your whole body go to hell. And his point isn't that you earn your way to heaven or that you should mutilate your body to do it, right? But sin's so serious that it's worth doing hard things to deal with it. Things that are costly, really hurt. And so maybe that means not going to parties where you know people are going to be getting drunk. Maybe one day you might be strong enough to go to those same parties and be in control, but until you're sure of that, maybe you can't go again until, until you know you won't fall again. Maybe a decision like that might cost you some friendships. Lots of people who give up getting drunk find it costs them friends. 
And I, I, that makes me think, well, what kind of friends were they anyway if we can't be friends when we're not drunk? But that, it may cost you that. And you might say, man, how are those friends who don't know Jesus going to hear about Jesus if I stop hanging out and going to those parties? <laughs> They're not going to hear about Jesus by living a double life in front of them and living a hypocritical life where you're like, I'm a Christian, but I just don't care about what Jesus says. You're not going to tell them about Jesus while you're drunk at a party. So make your first priority looking after yourself. Now, guys, the stuff we've talked about tonight has been on my heart for a good number of weeks. I've been worried about us here at Senior Youth Group. I've been praying that this stuff will be helpful, and I hope it has been. So I want to pray one more time, and then we're actually going to do... Oh, man. I should have said so. We're going to do question time tonight, actually. So I'm going to pray. You might want to think if you've got questions. The reason there's a number on the screen is so you can send in questions. So you can text questions anonymously if you want. You can just ask them. I'm going to pray, and Mike's going to jump up, and we're going to do some question time. Let's pray. Father God, um, thank you so much that we're saved by grace and not by how good we are we've been in control of alcohol. (laughs) Father, thank you so much that it is all your mercy that saves us. And thank you that that forgiveness really is free. And Father, I pray for Eva Youth that it would be a place of authentic Christianity. A place where we live out our faith in following Jesus. Where we're real with each other and honest. Where we're accepting as well. Because we all know that we're sinners and we fail in so many different ways. And so I pray it wouldn't be a place of judgment over those who have been struggling in this area. But I pray, Lord, it would be a place of change and growth as well. Thank you for the forgiveness held out in the cross. And I pray that tonight, as we think about this in some questions and as we hang out later on tonight, that you give us fruitful and honest and real conversations and bring real change because of tonight. Amen. All right, let's do a bit of questions and we're going to sing. Sorry, I didn't tell you as we were doing questions, so surprise. <laughs> um, I was going to... We, are we on? Yeah. Um, we might might do the ones with the hands first. Was that a... Yeah, had you, had, you had a question, John. Um, so this question, I guess, is more on the practical end of things. Um, you're talking about people knowing their limits, so often Christians go out drinking and they think they can handle this much and they can't or whatever. Yeah. Um, when you're trying to work out what your limit is, I feel like you've got to have a sense of what too much looks like and what not enough looks like. Um, to go, that's the bad territory. That's you know what I mean. So, yeah. what what is what's too much in terms of not just how many drinks because that can differ from person to person, but what does too much look like and what's what's wrong about that as well? Like, why yeah, is that too yeah. much and why is that a bad thing? And that's pretty much the same question. At what point would you say that a person is drunk? Is it when you become slightly tipsy or when you're vomiting, passed out? So, if a Christian, so that if a Christian is um, Drinking with the intent to please God, how far is too far? It's pretty much the same as John's question. Mm. Yeah. Do you have thoughts on that, Mike? No, you go first, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I think thoughts, one so. thing that's tricky, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to trust future Jono, in my case, that when he's had a little bit to drink, he can work out when he should stop. So it's kind of like, let's give a dumber version of myself the reins here, because you'd start to drink a little bit, and it still affects you a little bit. Um, and so... I think it is helpful to actually pay attention to like proper things like one drink an hour, two drinks in the first hour, one drink an hour after that. For most people, you sh- unless you're a pee plater, which is all of you, but the point is you- I can drive when I've had that much to drink, two drinks in the first hour, one drink after that. It's legal for me to drive. 
And I think if I can drive a car, I'm probably safe to relate to people in a sensible way. So I think the moment you've drunken more than you should to safely drive, there's a, a good indicator. And you've got to work this out or you'll lose your licence anyway, right? So you might as well work that out. So there's one thing. In terms of what do you, how do you feel your way through the situation, I'd actually say plan ahead. I'd, rather than kind of like drink a bunch of drinks and be like, how do I feel? Should I have more or less? Drunk me or partially slightly tipsy me says drink more, you're already kind of in a bad... So plan. Be like, I'm taking three beers to this party and I'm going to drink them one an hour or whatever. Plan something like that um, is what I'd say. Don't make your decisions when you've already had a few. Um, but the other thing I'd say is often people ask the, well, how much is too much? Is a little bit tipsy too much or whatever question when really what's actually going on is you're chucking up in a gutter and someone's holding your hair. And it's like, well, let's be clear at least on don't get so drunk that you vomit everywhere at least as a, very, you know, as a starting point. Like, at, let's at least avoid the obvious thing, you know, <laughs> um, and then try and nail those details later. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm no alcohol scientist. Do you have any other thoughts? I'm, I'm no scientist either. But I don't um, think there's such thing as an alcohol yeah, scientist either, probably. So there you go. We're all off the hook. Yeah. Um, one thing I found, and I used to really struggle with alcohol um, as a teenager, from probably from 14 Struggling to... Struggling with alcohol. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Struggle. Like, I, I was living a double life. Yeah, I, I should say, because I was going to youth, going to call myself a Christian and and, um, and, and would drink heaps. And, and I found that when I'd have, say, two, um, what it would do is just make me want the third one. And then the fourth one, and, and so that's where it led. When I was two, I was probably okay. I wouldn't do anything overly stupid except have the third one. And then I wouldn't do it except have the fourth And so that's, that's kind of where it led me, and, and I found this dependence. And so everyone's different, but, you know, maybe have someone look into your life. This is for you if you're 18 as well. If you're, if you're underage, then different rules apply. But if, if once you're 18, um, you know, better to kind of not be too close to the cliff than far away. So better be safe than, than drunk, yeah. Um, Ask a friend who you trust, mm. not the friend who likes to drink two more drinks than you, but the friend who's always nagging you. Get that friend to tell you what they think when you get at parties is a helpful thing to do. Can mm. I add to that, Jono, just for chicks though as well? Mm. Um, I feel like as girls you fall into the trap of cocktails. <laughs> so when, <laughs> once you're 18 and you're drinking, Jono said like plan ahead and think about maybe like bring three beers or whatever. Um, girls, look at what... You're drinking, so if you're going to plan ahead and say, "I'm just going to have like this bottle of vodka," drink. yeah, <laughs> yeah. One, like, one don't do that. Yeah. To, like we go yeah. for mixed drinks, we go for like if you're young cruisers, my goodness, just stay away from them; they're so gross. <laughs> but like or cocktails or ciders, whatever. But think, look at actually look at the alcohol content of what you're drinking as well, and plan. Is it like a really high percentage of alcohol in there? Because that'll get you drunk faster as well. Like. Be really conscious of what you're drinking. Yeah. That's good. Cool. Um, might go to text. Um, what are some other practical tips um, uh, than going to parties? Sorry, other than going, not going to parties for not getting drunk. I've, I've got a couple and maybe you want to chip in. No, you go for it. Um, yeah, so what are some other practical tips other than don't go to those parties? Offer to drive um, if you can. Like, like, like your opportunity to love people. Like, I've given my, my drunk mates lifts home heaps, and it's just a really good way of, of just showing practical love, and, and hopefully, by offering a drive, you won't then drink too much. Um, 
but yeah. So another another thing you can do: drink drink lots of water. Um, drink you know a glass of water before and after every drink. Like that will just force you to slow down. Particularly like you know beer, like it fills up your stomach. And if you're drinking water, then you just, there's just only so much you can fit in. So drink lots of water. Like seriously, drink lots of water. Eat lots of food. Drink milk. Like alcohol and milk doesn't work. Yeah. So like um, those kind of things helpful. You'll still end up chucking but, up, but it'll be completely yeah, gone. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, it, not that it will slow you down, but it'll, not that it will like make you less drunk, but it'll like fill up your stomach and you won't want to drink. Um, but as Jono said, have someone, like if you go to one of those parties, either invite a Christian mate that you trust or, or see if you can touch base with them. Or if, you, if you're, you have to go to this party and there's no other Christians there, um, let someone know. Just send someone a text, hey, I'm going to this party. Can you pray for me? I'll let you know how it is. Um, yeah, there's not, it's not always possible to bring your Christian mate along to a, a place where there's going to be... Just invite me. Come. I'll come to all your yeah, parties. Sorry, Jono. It'll be completely normal. I'll look Jono like your dad. I would love to come. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to come to your parties, so I'm not helping you with that. Yeah. yeah, and I think by the time you've got to the point where you've got that kind of a mature attitude to these parties, I think you're very much in the safe zone. But I think if you're just like right in the middle of like a binge drinking habit, you may actually just for a little while need to actually stay away altogether so that you can then come back with that sort of an awesome attitude. I mean, maybe you're just an awesome person and you can change really quickly and easily, but I, I don't have that kind of discipline. I'd, I'd need to stay away for a while if that was... But not, not forever, yeah. Uh, another one, um, learn to appreciate the taste of alcohol as well. I reckon a lot of Aussies just drink and don't even care about the taste. That's why VB is a thing. Um, but um, <laughs> if you're laughing, you're, hopefully you're 18. No, um, um, but, but seriously, like, learn to appreciate kind of good quality beer and wine. I'm not saying you have to. Like, so this isn't – if you don't want to drink, then that's actually a good thing not to drink at all. But if you can't actually appreciate the taste of it, then you're probably not using it the right way. Alcohol is a good gift from God, so enjoy it uh, if you're 18. Enjoy it. But, yeah, if you're just drinking, you know, vodka mixed with soft drink, like, really? Like, you know, um, you know yeah, like it's – you're not really appreciating the taste. Um, from beer, there you go. Stay away from beer. Yeah. Um, anyway, other question? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ah, thank you. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Sorry, when I say drinks, I mean standard drinks. Right, so I don't mean whatever cocktail you've made in your friend's backyard. I'm learning things tonight. There you go. 
I'm a very large person, as you can see, so even with my poor information, it really... But yes, that's very helpful, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah. From the person that weighs half as much as me, good advice. Yep. Most, um, good. Most, yeah, most alcohol bottles have kind of the number of standard drinks on them, so have a read of them. If you're a bit nerdy like me, a standard drink is 10 mils of alcohol, so there you go. Um, yeah. And, and if you're forced into that, I've got a mate um, from uni who, was, who went, went to kind of this, this college at uni where everyone drunk, and he was forced to, into things, like forced to skull stuff. He just said, I'm just going to skull milk instead. And so, you know, that, and, <laughs> cool. you know again, go back to milk. But, but that might be an option as well. Um, yeah, Jasper. Yep. Um, the, the, uh, so Jasper said, would you apply the same philosophy to um, drinking alcohol as you would to taking drugs? The, the short answer is, if it's like I take par- paracetamol, that's a drug, but that's <laughs> a legal drug that I buy from Woolworths. If you're talking about illegal drugs, which all other drugs other than alcohol and tobacco are illegal in Australia, unless you're really sick and you need... Yeah, yeah. They're, they're illegal, right? It, it's a it's an open closed case like it's it's illegal you obey, the what Jesus God has put the government in place which means where to obey them as if that was God's law and to to disobey them is to disobey God and what we do is we go drunkenness or having sex that's really serious but speeding that's not very serious but that's not actually right they're both just disobeying God and so you got to take that seriously so just don't go near drugs unless they get made legal and then work out that question when you get there. But they're probably legal because it will seriously wreck your life. Illegal. Because they'll mess you up. That's why drugs are illegal. And so, like, alcohol does terrible damage to people in our society. I've seen it, right? Um, but we hectically abuse it. Drugs that are illegal will mess you up a lot quicker and be more addictive most of the time. So just, it's illegal. Don't do it. And it will mess you up. Yeah, big time. Far more people die in Australia from alcohol than drugs. Not that dr- yeah. So um, we might just kind of go through these text questions. We'll come back. Um, this is uh, maybe a quick one. What, what if it's in your culture to try alcohol but not get drunk at a young age? For example, Italians. Yeah, sure. Um, um, I, look, I meant to look this up. I'm sure there's some sort of a thing that says so. if you can, if you drink. If you're under, I think if you're under 18 um, and your parents buy you alcohol. Um, I think it's okay to... So, yeah, yeah, if your parents supply the alcohol, they're supervising, it's on your property, that's okay to, to drink. Um, so if you have a glass of wine with your dinner um, and that's a cultural thing you do, and that's all right, that's, that's an okay thing to do. You don't have to do that, but that's a permissible thing to do. Yeah. But just because, just because your parents are doing it doesn't mean it's a good thing as well. Like, I, I know parents that that used to buy my mates, like, cases of beer. And, like, just because it's a, a thing that your parents do doesn't make it a good thing to do as well. But, um, Johnny, do you want to add to that? Yeah. No. Obey the law and yeah. don't get drunk. And if that means yeah. having a glass of wine with your Italian parents, um, bon appetit, or whatever yeah, yeah. the word is. Is that, is that right? Go is that Italian? It. No. What's bon appetit? <laughs> yeah. Something. Um, we'll go... We'll, we'll just... Yeah, okay, Cormac, yep. That was actually my question. I should elaborate more. 
In Italy, it's actually legal to drink wine and softer alcohol yeah, at yeah. a young age. So that this is a tradition that they drink and eat together as a family. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So they drink like a half a glass of wine yeah. with a meal, but nothing too yeah. over the top. So if you're with your Italian family in Australia, I think that's legal to do. You should check, but I think it's legal. And if you're in Italy and that's not illegal, then also do that, but don't get drunk. Yeah, from memory, yeah. I think the law states that um, you have to be 18 or have parental permission and supervision to yeah. drink. Yeah, and in that context, we're talking about a glass of wine with your family at dinner, you know? Yeah. Cool. Again, it's that's appreciating right. it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, here's another one. Um, how does this apply to non-Christians? Why should they not Yeah, drink? yeah. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it doesn't, except that I'd say alcohol can still mess you up, and I think the Bible's got some good truth, like in that proverb bit that I read. So, as a non-Christian, my first, I really, my highest priority for you is not to stop you binge drinking, it is that you'd find out about Jesus and trust him and be saved by him. Um, and he's the one who deals with your sin, he deals with the consequences, he pays the price for it and offers you forgiveness. And so I really care that you come to know about Jesus. And putting your trust in him and following him will mean having him rule your life, right, still. So it will mean a, a costly thing if you're thinking about becoming a Christian. Um, but, uh, you know, in the end, oh well, <laughs> I'm not that... Sorry, um, it, 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 it matters. Like, you, you could really mess up your life if you abuse alcohol... But I'm still, even if you horribly mess up your life with alcohol, I'm more worried that you know Jesus because that matters for eternity. So there's my first priority, really. So if you don't want to be a Christian, well, you know, yeah, that, that's not the big issue for me. Yeah. Mike, uh, we'll go one. We'll just make sure we get through all these. Um, sorry, Sky. Um, if you have friends or a friend that says they're a Christian but goes to parties and gets drunk often, what should you say to that person to bring to their attention this issue? Hey, <laughs> Anonymous question. Do you have thoughts? Or... Uh, no, you, um, you got here. Um, look, I went pretty hard tonight in the Bible. I don't know if you guys felt that, but I felt like I needed to. Um, I wouldn't relate to a person one-to-one in the same way that I did from the pulpit today. Um, so I'd be very gentle and very careful and not make assumptions. You know, you might be like, oh, my friend's become this big drunk, blah, blah, blah but actually talk to them and it's actually, no, no, this was the one time that actually they really did underestimate how much they could drink. and Just just talk to them and ask them how they're going and what's really going on for them and be very careful not to sit in judgment over them. Um, it matters that they work out whether they're living in sin or really fighting sin, um, but you almost need them to work that out, not you work it out for them, almost. So just be very careful, very gentle, very gracious. Assume the best, not the worst. Um, and try and chat to them and just tell them that you love them and you care about them and, you know, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, be very careful, I'd say. Yeah, yeah like you want to um, get alongside them, be a mate, um, but if they are, it depends where they're at, like if they are genuinely wanting to follow Jesus and they're genuinely wanting, a Christian is one who follows Jesus and one who wants to give glory to God. And so ask them, how does what you're doing, how does that glorify God? How does getting drunk glorify God? Um, you know, don't say that as the first question, but if you think about it, like that's the kind of principle that can actually um, explain a whole lot of these things. And there's other questions like, you know, should Christians drink shots? Like, how does that 
how does that glorify God? Um, there's no command in the Bible about it, but um, having shots, I think, is a very unhelpful thing to do. Um, you can have a shot and then don't drink anything else the rest of the night, and that's not a bad thing if you're 18. Um, but, but, but how does doing that glorify God, and where is it leading to? Um, I think they're, they're questions you want to be asking. Mm. Another thing, you should be really careful of perception, actually. Mm. I didn't talk about this at all, but, you know, like you just blinking real bad in a photo and you happen to be holding your friend's beer or something on, and it ends up on Facebook and you're like, Bleh! and then everyone's like, oh, Brits are drunk now. But actually she was holding her friend's drink and was blinking real bad. You know what I mean? Like just be real careful what you put on Facebook. I had some, I had some friends over for my wife's 30th birthday last weekend and I was offering people port, which is like slightly stronger than, you know, stronger than wine, but it's not anything crazy. And someone's like, are you guys doing shots? And I was like, no, nah, man, I'm drinking port. But anyway, it, it looked like I was some crazy dodge guy, but I wasn't. And I just need to be careful, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway. Um, what would you say about Christians working in, pu- in pubs or bars? Uh, I, used to, I used to work in a pub. Um, it was a pretty yeah. standard pub. Nothing, I don't know, like I was just kind of going around picking up glasses. I, it, it depends on what kind of your role is there, if you're serving drinks. I mean, like if you, if you work in a pub, you need to do this thing called the RSA, which is Responsible Service of Alcohol, which, you know, legally means that we shouldn't serve people that are drunk. So, you know, comply with all those laws. Um, you're doing your job, you're being legal. Um, pubs, though, they've got this culture. Um, there's this thing called staffies, which often pubs and bars have, where the, the people at the pub will go out for drinks afterwards. So say the, the pub closes, you know, you know, whatever, at 10, or whatever it closes, people go out afterwards um, and, and go somewhere that's still open, um, the three places that are still open on the coast at 10. Um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, but, yeah, nice. so, so go out. I mean, I'd be, be kind of wary about where the culture leads you. Um, if you work in a bar or a pub, um, it's not a bad thing to do. If, if you, if alcohol is an issue for you, maybe don't work in a bar or a yeah. pub as well. There are plenty of other places to work as well. Um, all right. Never had so many questions at youth group. Yeah, yeah. At Jesus Uncut, we should just do four talks on drinking. <laughs> yeah. The conversation would be yeah. awesome. No, it wouldn't get us anywhere. Um, that. Yeah, that's look. That's that's pretty much all. Look, cool. if if you've got more questions. Um, John and myself, Sarah, the leaders, would love to, to chat to you um, and, um, and hear more of your story and your friends' stories and pray and, and listen and all that stuff. So, yeah. Awesome. But I think we're going to sing now. Yeah.